<laughs> Gosh, John, I forget how good you are at karate. That's incredible. I know, man. I mean, it's all about the right belt. It is. Timing you know? or your leather belt. Exactly. I, I feel like maybe, is that not, that's what you meant. Not really, okay. but speaking of, oh, Dave, wow, I'm yeah, just yeah. going to try to transition to okay. save you. <laughs> Finally, Dave, Yeah. warm spring days are arriving. Oh, Am I gosh. right? Isn't it great? You know what? I need a new pair of shades that I don't have to baby. Do you know what I'm saying, John? I don't want to take care of them. Let me put them on, take them off, and not have to worry Look, about it. Hey, Dave, I know exactly Sorry. Sorry, what I didn't you mean. Sorry, I didn't mean to rant. Knock around is the solution. They've been making high-quality shades that don't break the bank okay. since 2005. Oh, wow. And they've actually been my personal go-tos for years. Oh, yeah. I love Knockaround, John. They have over 20 different frame styles, so there's something for everyone, including tons of kids' pairs. That's right. So whether you're looking to rep your favorite sports teams, mm-hmm. you know, like you're a sports guy, mm-hmm. <laughs> spend some relaxation time in the yard, yep. or cruise down Broadway with the windows down oh. like Dave does uh-huh. all the time. All the time. Every Tuesday and Thursday mm-hmm. and Saturday. Mm-hmm. Knock around. That's what you need. Yeah, yeah. All of their lenses have UV 400 protection, which is basically like sunscreen for your eyes, which, by the way, I've tried that, and it hurts. <laughs> Use the sunglasses, everybody. With polarized adult pairs starting at 28 bucks. you can get a few pairs to leave in your car, toss in your beach bag, or lend to a friend in need. Dave, that is such a good price I that I might buy a pair just to intentionally lose them. I don't love that logic, John, but I know, you do but have a history of misplacement. It's not around Don't fight me because like of the karate stuff. But it could so. be perfect for you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, Dadville fans, don't squint through family beach days yeah. or trips to the park. Check out knockaround.com and use the promo code DADVILLE15 for 15% off your order. That's DADVILLE15 for 15% off your order at knockaround.com. Hi, I'm Dave Barnes. And I'm John McLaughlin. And welcome to Dadville. Dadville is a podcast where we talk about life, love, and the pursuit of awesome dadding. It's funny thoughts and deep talks. So please, enjoy your time here in Dadville and enjoy this episode with... Beth and Jeff McCord, Enneagram Coaches. Okay, so welcome to Dadville, everybody. This is a really uh, fun episode. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to come in hot here, um, and I'm not going to speak for John, but I'll try to. I feel like this is one of those episodes we've been really excited about. This has been uh, planned for a while, and uh, it was all about when we recorded and when we dropped this knowledge on y'all. This is um, this is our sort of Enneagram uh, episode for, of Dadville. Um, and I want to say a couple things to sort of set this up. We have two pros, and that's with capital P's. <laughs> They're a power Enneagram couple, Tennessee. This this is fun because uh, I've known the McCords for a while, and and uh, I love what you guys – I've told you all this a million times, but I love what you are doing. Um I think uh, the Enneagram has been such a huge helpful thing to me and my wife um, and and a lot of my friends are now sort of versed in it and we all uh, know about it and it's been hugely helpful, um, you know, and so, but it's a tricky thing and and you guys can speak to this here in a minute um, after I did this wonderful intro, Uh, but it's also a tricky thing because I think anything that kind of holds... the, the power this this sort of personality typing does can get really slippery really quickly. And so, you know, I felt like, you know, about a decade ago when I got into it, I felt like nobody really knew about it. I had a friend who 
is now a, a teacher, get me into it. Um, and it was hugely helpful. And so immediately I was just kind of obsessed with it. And then, you know, fast forward about five or six years, it felt like everybody knew about it. And then there was that feeling that I started to get in conversations where it started to get weird because, I, you know, people, it felt like witchcraft, mm -hmm. you know, yep. <laughs> like people sure. were kind of like, what number are you? You know, and I was yes. like, well, first of all, my name's Dave. Um, <laughs> right. You know, and so it, there is sort of a tricky thing to it uh, that, I, you know, I'm excited to hear you guys speak to. But that said, I think it is such an incredible and helpful tool for, you know, knowing yourself, knowing so, sort of your shadow self, your struggles, but but also just for relationships and marriage and how do you relate to your wife and your, you know, husband and kids and, and all those things. Um, so I'm super excited about this episode, like super duper, duper, duper excited. Uh, and, and I want to intro y'all. I want to let, let the people know. A little about y'all. So I'll do you one by one. So we'll start with beautiful Beth, best-selling author, speaker, and coach. Beth McCord is the founder and lead content creator of Your Enneagram Coach, a community designed to be a safe place for individuals to explore the Enneagram. With years of experience and passion for coming alongside individuals, couples, and groups, Beth is leading the way in simplifying the deep truths of the Enneagram from a biblical perspective, which is a big deal. Her mission is to make personal awareness and growth accessible for everyone, anywhere, so they can experience health and transformation in every area of their lives. Husband Jeff, you are smiling so big in this photo. It makes me so happy. Your seven, <laughs> your seven wing is just killing it in this picture. Uh, Jeff, uh, at Pastor I have a name Jeff, for my is, seven wing, by the way. What is it? El Macordo. <laughs> Gosh, I would watch that. That sounds like an amazing Netflix uh, kids cartoon. Sure, sure. You know, it, it, it was it was a sub character in Nacho Libre. Oh, that's uh, why I knew it. I knew it. I was like, why does this feel so? So the, one of the things I think is fascinating too that, that we'll talk about with you, Jeff, is you're also a pastor and have been, and it says here has led and served several churches and, and organizations for more than twenty years. He has a Master's of Divinity, as well as multiple certifications of pastoral counseling, family and church mediations, and gospel coaching. The Enneagram transformed Jeff's life, family, and ministry, leading him to co-found your Enneagram coach with his wife, Beth. So, And you guys have books, which is really cool, Becoming Us, which is awesome. Um, it says, Using the Enneagram to Create a Thriving Gospel-Centered Marriage. It's such a great book. And then two, and I love this these workbooks, Accelerate Your Personal Growth and Spiritual Renewal with the Enneagram Collection, which is the Enneagram Journal Collection for 21 daily readings, sort of according to your type. So obviously you guys have done this. You are <laughs> you're in the midst of putting out content, 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 which is so, so, so thankful. So can you guys kind of tell... Uh, us and everybody else, you know, what sort of got you into the Enneagram, how you guys think mm -hmm. about it, um, and why it's been such a uh, powerful thing for you guys to sort of base your life around teaching. Yeah. But it is fun. Uh, just this last weekend, we dropped our son off. Mm -hmm. uh, he just graduated from Tennessee Tech, and now he's uh, starting uh, basic Greek at oh, Covenant geez. Theological Seminary. Oh, wow. It's almost like you were wow. like going to say base or basic camp or what's it called? But, um, but that's where we heard about, uh, the Enneagram for yeah. the first time was really, mm -hmm. that's right. Uh, we had to keep it quiet because, <laughs> yeah. you know, oh, it, in the reformed Presbyterian world, you could we, imagine. Uh, oh, yeah. if Calvin or Luther didn't come up with a personality <laughs> tool, it's not valid. Well, and there was only one book that was quote unquote Christian in yeah. it. And even that like the cover of it looked really sketchy. Oh, you know, yeah, it was like, yeah, with, with the, yes. Yeah. 
Add like, the star or whatever on the front. Yeah. No, yeah. But in all honesty, we, so we were about 26 years old. We already had two kids. Mm-hmm. Um, we got married at 20. And even though we were best friends, we kept hitting roadblocks and mm-hmm. turbulence and everything in between. And we just couldn't understand why. So our friends introduced us to that book. Jeff, you know, having tons of other things that he was supposed to be reading, you know, skimmed it over and thought it was interesting, but I devoured it. And wow. I found out pretty quickly, I'm a type nine. Um, mm-hmm. And as type nines, we have this big internal fog inside. So that was really a big reason why we were getting tripped up a lot is, mm. you know, he as a type six would want security and honesty up front um, mm. and, and kind of dive into any issues so that we could repair and restore so that there's security. That's what the sixes need. For me, I'm like, I, I'm great. Like, I don't know what's wrong. <laughs> like, what, like yeah. what, you know, or he's like, what's going on? I don't know. You know, um, so this just gave me that vocabulary to be able to speak to him in ways like, oh, this is what's going on. Mm. Um, and so just, it gave the clarity that we couldn't get to on our own or even through counseling. Cause at that time we'd already yeah. been to counseling. Um, it just gave that clarity in the words that we needed to help to start grow and understand one another and have empathy and compassion in ways that yeah. we never would because each of us, um, it's like we're looking at the world through different lenses, like different color mm-hmm. lens. Like I'm wearing purple, Jeff's wearing orange, but we think we're all wearing the same lens. So yeah, we get well upset right. with each other. Like, how could you think that way? How dare you? You know, or why would you do that? Well, once you start realizing, oh, wow, we totally see the world and operate in a very different way, then we can take off our lens, even if it's but for a few seconds and put on someone else's and then right. have that empathy and compassion and, right. and at least mm-hmm. a little bit of an insight of how to come towards one another versus at one another. So that's yeah. really how it all started. How, how do you guys think it's different than other personality uh, typing uh, systems or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so a lot of the other systems and they are great. So we never want people to think, oh, this is it. This is the tool. Put them all, all the rest down now. The rest of them are really great, helpful tools to help people to know what they do um, or their preferences. But this is getting at to why you think, Mm. feel and behave in particular ways. This is the you have core motivations. There's four core motivations that at your Enneagram coach we teach that are really the the pivotal point that what everything hinges on everything Mm -hmm. comes from these core motivations of why you think, feel and behave in particular ways. And that is so insightful because Mm -hmm. so often on our daily journey in life, we're going along, think we're doing great. And then all of a sudden we land in this pitfall again, and it's a very similar pitfall and we throw up our hands and get so frustrated or have shame and condemnation and all the things, or we blame shifted onto someone else. Mm -hmm. And we just kind of wonder, how did I get here again? Um, mm. Well, the Enneagram is going to really help you to understand why, the big, mm. the big reason why you got there. And think of that being like you're on a road with a GPS. Your current location is your main Enneagram type. And you're traveling down this road and you have a healthiest destination. This is where you are healthy. You're engaged with life. The it's an overflow of how God created you to be. But like I said, so often we veer off course and we fall asleep at the wheel, we get distracted, you name it. And then we're in that pit again, you know, and mm. like, ah, how did I get here? So we use the Enneagram to one, help us to understand 
not only why we avert, you know, what derailed, but also use it as a rumble strip on the highway. You know, those, those things on the highway that, you know, alert you when you're veering off course. So the Enneagram can do that because we as humans are going to continually get distracted and veer off course. That's just how it's going to be. But that doesn't mean it has to end up in the ditch. What if we had a tool that alerted us like, Hey, if you keep going that direction, though, I know it feels like that's the right way to go or right. it feels natural to you. You're going to end up in that same spot that you've been. Why right. not try a different way, though? It's harder because growth is always harder. Health is always harder. But why don't you try a different way this way? And that is what we're really trying to teach people. Yeah, I love so that. Would, would you say that Enneagram in general is all about motivation? Like yes. someone could look a certain way. You could have like two yes. of the same numbers and they look That's completely right. different, but it's all about the internal motivation. Yes. That is well, so good. And, and we'll get into parenting a little bit later, but there are certain types that will use a particular strategy in parenting, but the reason why they're doing it is radically different. Wow. Mm-hmm. Right. The like doing the like baby wise, like yeah. militant thing could be that, that, two right. different reasons. That, it, that is serving an interior motivation for them. Right. It just happens to be that they're choosing the same tool. Yeah, because if you were to see two parents using BabyWise, you could easily say, oh, they're, let's say, the perfectionist. The you one know? or the six. Right. I could right. see the three I could see doing. Yeah, and but that's not necessarily true. I used it because as a nine, I didn't want conflict. I wanted everything to be smooth and easy. Mm. And if I can predict how my kid is going to function throughout the day by scheduling, won't that make things more harmonious? Yeah, you know? and right. This is the big insight for uh, the Enneagram as it relates to parenting because it helps us to understand why we choose the tactics that we do as parents. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Now, we hope that it's going to help us to not wound our kids Mm -hmm. and pay for their counseling (laughs) later on in life. That's the hope. But it it doesn't do that, but it does help us to understand why do I keep beating my kid over the head with this baby-wise book? Why can't I just parent my child? Yeah, Um, right. So it, it it's insightful. If, if you know, as Jesus said to to those who have ears, you know, if yeah, you, if you yeah, want to know yeah, these things, know. the Enneagram answers it. Yeah. I will say this in regards to your question of other tools. Um, this is something we've not been able to share yet on uh, any other podcast. So you guys are pretty special. Um, Thank you. Thank here you. we go. But there, um, John, we actually to hear that as a four, by the way. <laughs> yes, that's all this I need. Very, you're very <laughs> unique. I'm going to turn my um, brightness up right now. Okay, go ahead. So, but we were just talking with a professor at Indiana Wesleyan University who has done co- a correlation study with students, um, the Enneagram and correlations with other uh, psychometric tools. Jeez. And there were over like 300 different correlations. So your Enneagram type would actually be a becomes a predictor for how you're going to score on various other oh, okay. uh, tests. So it, it like it, this is not, I mean, I, I know that in the Enneagram world, it, it came from a mystic tradition, kind right. of an oral communal tradition, but uh, research is actually coming now that's showing, no, 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 if, you, if you're this type, you're likely going to score these ways on these particular assessments. That's, in- yeah. So, so, so to catch everybody up, basically what this thing is and what was so uh, powerful for me is it's these nine personality types that each of them, um, uh, I'm going to try to be brief. So there's. There's nine types. They're broken up into three different um, head, heart, and gut. So you have three that correlate to each of those. You also have time stances that are some are uh, oriented toward future, present, and past. And so 
why this is so helpful and I think why it becomes such a drug is because it's unbelievably illuminating. And I think to the point that you both are making, Cords is, you know, you sort of, Beth, as you said, you sort of devoured the book. That's exactly what I did. I, I felt like, I felt very seen. I felt very like, oh, when I, you know, I'm a, I'm a seven. And when I read that, it was like, oh my gosh. Like, all, and I think what was maybe the most sort of <laughs> cocaine-esque was all of a sudden you feel like you have these reasons for what you do. It's like, you, you've always been like, why do I always think about it? Why am I so obsessed with da 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 yeah. And you start getting into it and it's just, you can't help but just sort of, you know, because it feels like someone's going like, Hey, you ever wondered why you're always thinking about the future? It's because you're future oriented and you always, yeah. you're always planning life around the next thing you're going to do that makes you, makes the day worth doing because you have something fun at night or fun the next. And so f these things were really powerful, but you know, at the same time, and I, and I'd love to hear you guys speak to this. Th there's also sort of a slippery slope to this thing. And oh, one of the things that's that what I, I was think, just going to say, <laughs> well, and, and it's what I am so thankful for the work you guys are doing, especially is it's really easy, uh, to sort of take this information because it's so powerful. You know, you read it and you're like, this is me. Like this thing really gets me. It gets my motivation. It gets my fear. It gets my, um, how my brain thinks, the speed at which I live my, all those things and how I relate to others. And you just kind of go, you know, if I just kind of know this, I can sort of know how to be happy and I can know what I look like in health. Because another thing about the Enneagram that's really fascinating is it tells you what number you're going to look like when you're in a good place and what number you're going to look like in a bad place. So it's also really powerful because so for me, you know, one is where I go, what they call in disintegration or in unhealth, I get really judgmental. I get really professional perfectionistic. I get really, I'm a blame thrower. You know, I'm just kind of like, why are you doing this well? Why is no one making me happy? You know? And so it's great because it's again, super powerful because you go, oh my gosh, like I'm, I'm getting very one -y, you know, mm -hmm. and that means I'm not, I need to spend some time with the Lord. I need to pray. I need whatever. Yeah. And so I think I, some, I'd love to hear you guys. And I think, especially the beginning of this episode, that's really important to me is for people who haven't gotten into it is the sort of the warning shot of, and I think what is so great about what you guys do is it's so biblical and spiritual, how you guys approach it. It's not, you know, go in and take this stuff in and then go live your best life. There's a, you guys are so good about going, this is a helpful thing. It is not the thing, you know? Yeah. So what would be the warning you would sort of give people that haven't done it or find themselves just like neck deep? In yeah. Stuff? Oh, well, I mean, it's, you're absolutely right. And that is, if there's anything on this podcast that I want people to listen mm. to is that to not use the Enneagram as a sword or a shield. Wow. It is, it is that powerful. It literally yeah. is a sword and what, whether towards yourself, but mainly, you know, towards others as well is mm -hmm. don't use it to condemn, to shame, to belittle, you know, with sarcasm, stereotype, stereotype. Yeah, that's a big yes. One, yeah. uh, right. Assume or presume that they're doing something for a particular reason. Right. Because a lot of the other typologies that we were talking about earlier, you know, they're, they're just, behaviors that we have, you know, yeah. um, and they're pretty surfacey most of the time. This is getting to the core of yeah. who you are or who a person is. And, and you know how you have those dreams where it's like, you're about ready to take a final and you recognize you don't have half your clothes on, you know, and <laughs> yes. you feel that exposed. <laughs> That's what the Enneagram is like. Yeah. Yeah. But each person, even if you know their main type, if you could only understand the depth and the complexity of the Enneagram, you'll realize that like, 
uh, for like you, Dave, you're a seven and John, you're a four. There's so much more to it than just that. And it's not just, okay, you're a a seven with a whatever wing and, and this, you know, subtype and blah, blah, blah. It's not just that it's your story. You know, it's the story that God has had you go through. And so we want to be very compassionate and understanding. And so we we have to realize this is such a sharp two-edged sword that we have to be very careful in how we steward it. But we also don't want to use it as a shield where it's like, well, guys, I'm a nine. Sometimes I procrastinate. You're just going to have to deal with it. Like, and I've heard even someone say that they heard, you know, um, like a type five say, well, because I'm a type five, I shouldn't go on, you know, and be a missionary. And I'm like, wait, no, that's not how this works. Like you could be amazing missionary. Yeah. Right. And so we just really want to recognize, you know, how God has created us, how, what we're like at our very best and how we uh, reflect him, but also where that slippery slope is in, in our heart. And when we start to derail. So for example, how we have set up your Enneagram coach is through our mission statement. Mm -hmm. And it says that we are here to help people to understand themselves with astonishing clarity so they can break free from self-condemnation, fear, and shame by knowing and experiencing the unconditional love, forgiveness, and freedom in Christ. Wow. That's beautiful. Now the one word you don't hear in there is Enneagram. The Enneagram is Mm -hmm. just one of many yeah, things that we beautiful. can use. Right. I love that. I love yeah. that. For that pur- for the purpose of okay, yeah. yeah, there there are things that we have done in life. We have sin, we're you know, we have depravity. And yet we're gonna experience those things, but it's not we're not supposed to experience them and hold on to them. Yeah. The the shame, the condemnation. We're supposed to see them and know that Christ has redeemed us in it. Yeah. So we can see it and turn immediately to him and know that we can rest in the fullness of who yeah. he is for us. And that's what we're trying to do with uh the Enneagram is yeah, as a seven, Dave, you're going to have times where you're going to slip up and fall, whether it's seven-like stuff, like you yeah. were saying, like the type yeah. one stuff, so on and so forth. But we don't want to fixate ourselves there. We want to right. recognize it, right. own it, right. apologize, and then move towards, okay, how how do I reflect Christ and how does he work yeah, love in and that. through me? love that. Johnny. Dave. It is so hot here in Nashville. Those temperatures, Dave, just won't stop rising. (laughs) Listen, I am doing everything I can, but it is just having no effect on the weather. You know what else won't stop rising? What? Life insurance rates. Oh. Yep. Preaching to the choir, Dave. Hey, I know, I know. The more I put off buying, the more rates just keep going up, John. Well, listen, you got to try Policy Genius. Okay. Have you heard of them? Yeah. Well, you've heard of them because Policy Genius makes it so easy to compare quotes from dozens, I said dozens of top insurers all in one place. You can save up to 50% or more on life insurance just by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. That's $1,300 or more per year, Dave. Listen, John, I'm amazed at a couple things. One, that you know all that. And two, how do they do it? Well, let me tell you Policy Genius has licensed experts that work for you, mm. not the insurance companies. Thank you. You can trust them to help you navigate every step of the shopping and buying process. I'm not going to lie to you. I am so interested in this. How do I get started? Okay, well, here's the thing. Okay. First, Head to policygenius.com and in no time at all, you can work out how much coverage you need and compare personalized quotes to find the best price for you. Wait a second. I know where this is going. There's going to be a catch. There's always a catch. What's the catch? Because it sounds too good to be true, Johnny. Listen, Dave, there isn't a catch. What? When you're ready to apply, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and scheduling for free. Hey, how many, tell me one more time, how many catches are there? 
There's zero catches. Just head to policygenius.com to get started right away. Policy Genius. When it comes to insurance, it's, it's nice, nice to, to get, get it right. right. You know, sometimes it, when we have taken personality tools or assessments, maybe they have a particular application to them. Like this is my leadership style or um, this is something, my, my team style and my role on, our, on the team that I am in work. The Enneagram has this pervasive outlook, like it can apply to all of your relationships, to all mm -hmm. of the particular roles that you have in life. And so it, it, it has this powerful insight into all the things that we do, mm -hmm. but then it can also become an alternative to, it can almost become a worldview for people where mm -hmm. even for Beth and I, we're like, hey, we're, we're into the Enneagram. We're just not into it that much. Right. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Well, certain people, it's like, whoa, yeah, <laughs> hang on yeah, there, yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's powerful, but that's why our mission statement is set up that way that's to right. remove yeah. the word Enneagram because there are a lot of great tools out there. This is yeah. just one of them. That's right. Yeah. And well, I, I can see how it gets addicting once you first discover it, you know, sure. because it becomes like you're saying, Jeff, it's like it fall, everyone falls under this, like somehow yes. this nice little package that once you get into right. it, it gets more and more complex. But right. it, on, on the surface, you're like, you start discovering like, oh, he, I bet she's an eight because right. I know this other person, you know, it's so easy to fall into that trap where you start numbering people and you know in a in kind of a light kind yeah. of fun way but i think that the 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 more you get into it i could see how this could become like uh your motivation could be to become closer with your spouse or closer with yeah. like your friend but i could also see how it could kind of rob those relationships of mm. intimacy mm -hmm. because you feel like you have this shorthand, you feel like you know that other person because of this literature yes. that you have, you know, right. how do you, I, I would imagine everyone falls into that trap on some level. Like how do you, sure. how do you oh, yeah. counsel people to avoid that? You know, it, it, hearing you say it that way, it makes me think we need to come up with like the deadly sins of an, <laughs> yes. a new Enneagram enthusiast. Enneagram. Because it, it's so common, the patterns that we yeah. end up using the Enneagram in relationship to ourselves and to others. Yeah. It's like almost it, like there's certain steps you have to kind of right. go through until you use it rightly. Like, right. Yes. Like yes. You're going yes. gonna to go through these wrong steps. <laughs> you're just going to do it. Just, just go you ahead know? and apologize to your spouse because you're going to, uh, one, think that you're horrible and uh, the yeah. worst person ever. And yeah. then you're going to think, oh, they're wait, the worst. they're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> and why can't they be like me? Right. <laughs> yeah, no, that's but really yeah, I think that's, that's so good. And um, so in our book, Becoming Us, using the Enneagram to create a gospel-centered marriage, um, we, we, the first chapter is actually called A Suicide. Because we assume <laughs> incorrectly amazing. other people's thoughts, feelings, and yes, motives, yes, even yes, if you yes, know their type. Yeah, yes, and actually, right. that can almost be more hurtful. Mm, I mean, yeah. Isn't that true, Bethy? So it, we commit a suicide without the Enneagram, and then we have the Enneagram, and we stereotype and well, yeah. assume again because that we understand you'll do that certain type. things. And not that I'm completely wrong in some of the... Like, I'm like, the most unique six you've ever met. <laughs> so... It's true. Don't, don't try to don't pin you. me down. <laughs> but, but in all seriousness, like, if there are certain things that I do know about you that 
if something comes up, let's say you felt uh, blamed and targeted and then now all alone, I, in the back of my mind, know that that is a big trigger for you. Hmm. But if I just say, oh, well, that's because you're, you're, you know, a six and you feel targeted and blamed. So that's what's going on. It's like that robs the relationship yeah. right. of being curious and that's listening great. and asking. Because yeah. it yeah, could yeah. even. Curiosity the, is the word. Right. Because even yeah. though. It's not shorthand to the exam. Stay curious. Right. You, the book may have words for it, but ask your friend, ask your spouse, ask yourself. How would you say it? Right. What's your word for describing this part of who you or are? Or even just say, hey, could it be that this is what's going on? And if mm. so, could you explain how that's landing on you? Like, so if you yeah. did feel targeted and blamed, then well, how is that landing on you? And why, why does that kind of spin you out right now? Because mm. they're going to give you so much more clarity. So in some ways, yeah, it might kind of give you a little bit of clarity, but it doesn't give you the whole story. Right. Yeah. Well, and even uh, if you just, uh, even if you know what the thing is and Enneagram has helped you like name the thing, it still exists. Yeah. So it's not the end of it, you know? Exactly. And John, I just thinking of the, uh, I see the piano right next to you and you know, there, it's one thing to know about how pianos work. It's another thing to know how to play the piano. Mm. And then you've got that piano in that room. Yeah. which mm-hmm. has its own right. dynamics to it as, as an artist. And so it, that same thing is true of the Enneagram. You, you may understand how the Enneagram works, but that doesn't mean you're a practitioner. Yeah. And even when you're a practitioner, uh, really skillful people know the context of that particular well, instrument. Well, even like when, so Jeff, you know, being an executive pastor at many churches, and I was the assistant associate It's so interesting when I hear that about Jeff has served multiple churches. Like, that can be spun a variety of different <laughs> ways. Like, Jeff can't keep a job. <laughs> multiple so of every time caps. I've heard that, Jeff's like, resume is yeah. ready to go at any moment. Yeah, he is burnt out and on the run. Okay. So, but when I was the administrative assistant at one of the churches, we would have a piano tuner come in. So, mm-hmm. John, even though I'm sure you could sit and just go off on that piano, can you tune a piano? You know, no. so there's so many yeah. layers and levels of understanding that instrument. And like, like Jeff said, the room and all the nuances, but can you take it to that nth degree? And, and that's guys, where you may see, we're still uh, learning. share that illustration of an instrument. That, that was the one first time thing for us. So that's going to be in our next book. That, yeah, I was going to say, just we'll a little co-write. Credit. If you could just say, just a little credit to dad, yeah. go check out the podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's funny, you know. I have a few um, type eights in my life. I'm, Annie, my wife, is one who's going to get mad that I just doubted her. But um, you know, th- they're so different. Like I've laughed yes. this last week. I've talked to each of them, and I've laughed how they're so so different. Sure, they mm-hmm. present in similar ways, but when you get to why they're each doing it, it's very very different. And I think that's for those who've spent a lot of time with the Enneagram, like you guys have. You realize, and John spoke to this earlier. On the surface, it sort of feels like oh. Eight to this, seven to yeah. that. And sure, and like on a global 30,000 foot view, sure. But like you start meeting people who are the same numbers and man, you can yes. get such different. So it is helpful, but I do think, you know, again, it is a sort of, um, you have to be careful with that. So, so here's, here's what I want to do. And I, I was going to say, how did we find our type? But I think it's more fun if we start with 
doing the the flyover. So it, it, for those who are listening, kind of going like, oh, this sounds pretty interesting. I wonder what number I am. Um, I would love for you guys to kind of give like a flyover for each number, kind of like, you sure. know, a little bit of a, here's what one through nine are and, and, and how they work and motivations. Those kind of well, Bethy, why don't you uh, first, before you go into the motivations for each, why don't you explain why is it we're a number? Mm. People may not understand like that we use a number system for the Enneagram. Yeah. I mean, there's uh, lots of teachers have different names for their, uh, the numbers that correlate with them to give kind of an, you know, one word descriptor of their whole being, right? right. but that can have positive or negative connotations. And so the mm -hmm. numbers really kind of give a neutral stance to it. Now, even though saying that then people themselves can put a positive or negative spin on the actual number itself, depending on, you know, how they feel, but the it's numbers, not a itself, ranking order. So right. if no. you're <laughs> 10, does it mean that you're perfect? <laughs> yeah. Cause there's no 10, <laughs> but yeah. So each of the numbers, and this is so important for people to realize at their healthiest, each of the numbers are amazing, like mm. truly amazing well people that you would do anything to be <sighs> around. Like you would mm -hmm. pay money to be around these people. Yeah. Yeah. But every single number at their worst is literally the worst. You know, I mean, <laughs> we're talking, you know, uh, personality disorders yeah. and all sort of yeah. uh, neuroses and stuff like that. So, you know, we, <clears throat> we just need to realize, and, and, some people will kind of depending on their preference or the people that have been in their life, they might uh, put certain types of, oh, they're the worst because, you know, but you have to realize there is this range and some, most people probably fall in kind of the average range and then some will kind of be up in the healthier if they've been really working on themselves. And there's definitely going to be some that are in the average to unhealthy range. You're probably yeah. not around a ton of really unhealthy personalities. Um, and you'll know, but I think that's so important because as I read through, and kind of talk through each of the types, you know, you will have experienced some of these people's, again, in positive or negative ways, but just hold loosely your beliefs and recognize each type can just be so magnificent. I mean, yeah, God well created said. all of us, like we're the body That's right. of Christ. That's right. And the whole point of the Enneagram is not to see your weaknesses and frailties only. It is to recognize those, own them, and come back to Christ and allow mm. him to work in and through you and who he wants you to become, which is just amazing. Yeah, all right, great. so let's dive into one through nine, and we're just going to do, basically, all I'm going to touch on for time, uh, time's sake is just the core fear and the core uh, desire. But when you're looking to find your main type, you really want to look at the core motivations of all nine types, and there's four of them. So the core fear, what you're running away from. The core desire, what you're trying to obtain, like, oh man, life will be perfect if I have this. The core weakness, which other teachers will call the passion or the deadly sin. I call it the core weakness because we are weak, but he is strong and his grace mm. is sufficient for us. Wow. And the core weakness really just constantly shows us that we need God <laughs> in our life. Um, and then the core longing. This is the message your heart longs to hear. Um, and for us, we use that to show everyone that though you're trying to get this core longing met through different means, it's only God who can fully satisfy that. But for time's sake, we're just going to go through the core fear and the core desire. If you want to see all uh, core motivations, just go to your com forward slash core motivations. And there's a free PDF. Awesome. All right. So type one, um, we call the principled reformer and their fear is being wrong, evil, corruptible, um, unredeemable, and, uh, being thought of as wrong or bad. 
Now, what they desire is to have integrity, being good, balanced, accurate, virtuous, and right. So this is a very principled person wanting things to be just the way they need to be, right or wrong, moralistic. The type twos, um, we call the nurturing supporter, and they fear being rejected, unwanted, being thought of as worthless, needy, inconsequential, dispensable, and unworthy of another person's love. What they desire is to be appreciated, loved, and wanted. Now, for them, they're just constantly wanting to serve others. They feel other people's needs, and they move in and confidently insert their help, hoping that others will appreciate them. That appreciation feels like love to them. Now, the type three um, is the admirable achiever, and they fear being exposed, thought of as incompetent, inefficient, worthless, uh, and also just anyone seeing them as being less than successful. That just is a huge fear for them. Now, they desire to have high status, respect, being admired, successful, and valuable. So for the threes, it's all about image. Now, they could do a lot of things that look like a one, even, uh, what is good and right, especially if you're in the Christian sphere. But what you want to recognize is it so that others see it and see an image that is successfully good? Um, or is it all about morals and principles? So it's a little bit of a different uh, take than the one. So it's all about image. Um, now the type set, uh, sorry, the type four um, is the introspective individualist and they fear being inadequate, emotionally cut off, plain, mundane, defective, flawed, and, um, being, uh, insignificant. So they don't want someone to shut off their emotions or kind of like, Oh, you're being too emotional. They, they, they have such a vast wide of emotions, highs and lows. So for them, they desire to be unique, special, different, and their most authentic self, which that's where that kind of that fear of don't um, cut off my emotions or like listen to them. Um, they have such a beautiful way of expressing themselves. Um, for them, melancholy is, we had a friend calling it the sweet melancholy of the soul. And a lot of people mm. take melancholy as uh, depression. That's not it at all. It's this ability to go deep. And if anyone is in sorrow and in grief, the one type that you definitely want to be around is a four because mm -hmm. they can sit with you in a, for a very long time and nurture you. Um, so for them that they are the, um, ones that can go deep, but also see the ideal and head for that. The type fives are the analytical investigators, and they fear being annihilated, invaded, not existing, uh, being thought of as incapable or ignorant. And they also fear having too many obligations placed upon them because they have only so much interactive energy reserves that if too many obligations are being placed on them, they fear catastrophic depletion. Um, and so for them, they desire to be capable, competent, insightful, and knowledgeable. So think of the fives. Um, one, they love to hoard information. They have filing cabinets in their brain and they literally store their information, know exactly where it is so that if you were to ask a random question that they uh, read five years ago, they know exactly where to go for that information for me. Yeah, good luck on that one. Yeah. <laughs> so, but the other things that really recognize about fives is they have like, it's kind of like a cell phone battery. You know, we plug in at night, we wake up, there's 100%. For them, they wake up every day with about 20 to 25% interactive battery life. And so they ration it out. And so if you surprise them, intrude on their time, give them too many obligations, it's like you suck their battery to zero. And the fear for them is, I don't know if I can ever get it back 
up and going again. And so mm. you're going to feel these very strong boundaries and need to um, go away uh, like in privacy to recharge. Now, it's more than just being an introvert. So, but I just kind of want to give that caveat because a lot of people misunderstand fives. Mm. Type sixes are faithful guardians and they fear fear itself, being without support, guidance, and security. They also fear being blamed and targeted and definitely physically abandoned. Mm. Now, they desire to have security, guidance, and support. Now, a lot of people will think, oh, sixes are, you know, pessimistic. No, they're actually realists. And I'm actually saying that, Jeff. Did you hear that? Mm -hmm. I actually said it. Um, no. <laughs> it's about time you got it right. Right. <laughs> but so what happens with the six is they have this internal committee, this inner committee that is constantly trying in with all the possibilities, positive possibilities and negative possibilities. And they're letting everyone know, including themselves. And so others can take that as being pessimistic, but it's a true gift when used rightly to help people understand what could happen and to rightly kind of align oneself or the group or the family accordingly. Um, now, type sevens are our enthusiast optimists, and they fear being deprived, trapped in emotional pain, limited, bored, and definitely missing out on something fun. So the true FOMOs of the world. And they desire to be happy, fully satisfied, and content. Um, so the sevens, like uh, Dave, you were saying, future-oriented. They, they're the Think of it almost like when we're kids and Christmas is coming, that anticipation of what's going to come. That is like a seven's life. Anticipation is almost the joy of life versus being in the moment. It's actually hard for them to be present in the moment when it's actually happening. Yeah. And then it's kind of a letdown because they, they built it up so high in their mind that it never lives up to that. So then they feel like, oh, I didn't quite get that full satisfaction. So they're constantly going to the next thing. Now, uh, AIDS are our passionate protectors and they fear being weak, powerless, harmed, controlled, vulnerable, manipulated, and left at the mercy of injustice. They desire to protect themselves and those in their inner circle. So eights, um, they are some of the most tender hearted on the Enneagram, but others don't see it because they put this really strong exterior to protect themselves and others. And so think of their heart almost having like a second, third degree burn, and they're going to put a shield of some sort to protect themselves. And so people usually bump up against this kind of shield, um, this external strength, and people don't always know what to do. And they can't then feel the softness and the tenderness inside, but they're really the big diesel snow plows in our life mm. that really desire to plow a path for others, but others sometimes feel the, the, the plow bumping up against them or plowing over them if they're not healthy, but when they're healthy, they really plow a path for us. And last but not least is my type, uh, the peaceful accommodator. We fear being in any kind of conflict, any kind of tension, uh, feeling shut off and overlooked. We desire harmony, inner stability, and peace of mind. So we're the ones that are going to go along to get along, to make everyone happy, to keep the peace. But in, um, the unfortunate thing is we forget ourselves in the process, and mm -hmm. that's the work that we have to do. So there you go. All okay, nine so types. I have a, a few follow-up questions. Could you... Um, tell everybody um, the time orientations, how that works out. You know, that is just not the one thing that I, because that's Suzanne Stabil. She really oh, dove into thing. that. Yeah. I know some yeah. of them, but I haven't known all of them. I know like for the type nine, you actually might know it better than I do. Um, it's not something that I've dove into. It is really helpful though. Um, I know the type nine were past oriented, but yep. what's funny is Jeff always <laughs> corrects me when I do it because we look at the past and think of all of the positives because the nine, remember, we only want inner stability and peace of mind. So when I 
look back at an event, I look at all of the positives. It's cozy. It's comfortable. Mm -hmm. It's nurturing. It's like a hug to me. And he's like, don't you remember A, B, C, and D also? (laughs) Like these horrible things? Like, yeah. oh, yeah, thanks. Now you ruined the the moment, you know? Right, yeah. Um, Whereas I know for Jeff as a six, he's present oriented, though some people might think a six would be future oriented because yeah. they're, they're thinking of all that could go wrong yeah. or, or, or good. But really, they use that information for the present moment. Yeah. Um, and then, Dave, you can speak to yours being. Well, um, I, I think these are there's a couple of follow ups that I want to ask you after this, too. These are these are also helpful things with Beth as you went through the numbers so well that I think will help people, too, as they're thinking about them. They're new to this. So there's um, the few I'm cheating right now. I want to be really clear. I just looked this up online because I only, I'm like y'all only know a few of these. But uh, they have three, seven and eight are future focused. And so if you're listening and going, I'm not sure which one I'd be, this is a helpful one. I think for a lot of people is like, how much of your time do you think? Well, how do you think about time? And I tend yes. to think about what's coming, what's going to happen. Um, you know, so, so that's the three, as you said, the achievers, the seven, the, um, Epicurean is what I like to call myself. Thank you. And then the eights, <laughs> which is nice. the, the bosses basically, um, are future focused. Um, and then you have one, two, and six are present as, uh, as Jeff, you said about yourself. So they're more present focused living and now what's happening now. Uh, and then past is four five and nine. Um, and so I think those can really be helpful, which is funny too. I, I'm remembering now looking at the site that the three sevens and eights are called aggressive because our yep, energy is more mm-hmm. yeah, assertive type. And then you have mm-hmm. one, two, and six, which are dependent yep. types or present mm-hmm. focus. And then four, five, and nine are withdrawing or yep. past focus. So I think that's helpful. And for someone who's actually looking to find, understand the Enneagram as well as find their type, um, in the last month, we released a, a, a brief video series that basically is recorded sessions on helping people to understand the Enneagram and their type. And you can find it at Ennea what? E-N-N-E-A-W-H-A-T. Um, best getting a phone call. So we'll just take a break. President. We'll be right back. But com, and it will walk you through all the core motivations and help you to understand what your type is. And I think what Beth is saying is really important even as it relates to time, our motives shapes how we relate to time. Yep. And yeah, that's right, the inside right. of the Enneagram. Yeah. It's not that just sevens are future focused. It's why. It's why they're future focused yeah. or how they relate to the future in that way. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. the seven is future oriented because they want to be fully satisfied and content but can't find it in the present. So they're constantly, you know, stirring up in their mind what, what mm. could be the next fun thing. That's you know? exactly right. That's exactly and right. Whereas the eight, you know, like they're all about intensity, like the, like the snow plow. Okay. Well, what do I need to plow next? You know, yeah, yeah. so I can That's get right. to that, That's that right. end That's goal. really great. And threes are, it's all about, okay, so what do I need to do? like to achieve that goal that I have down there. Right. And so they're planning accordingly. The three won't try something unless they know they'll be successful. So again, they are all in that future oriented mindset, Yeah. but why they're doing it. So everything I'm telling you guys, everything comes down to the core motivations. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We did uh, 45 courses, one on each couple type combination. And everything hinges on those core motivations. If you want to know why you guys get into arguments or fights or misunderstandings, that course for you will specifically lay out exactly what it is. It's just at becomingus.com. And and it's amazing how once you start to understand how these core motivations function and pop up, 
in a misaligned way. Yeah. And then you can apologize and learn how to get it back in an aligned way, a healthy yeah. way. And so, so could, yeah, go for it. Well, I was going to say, could you, could, that's a great little, uh, I was going to ask about this next. Could you speak to the he, the health and or integration, disintegration, however you define it? Like, yeah. can you tell people quickly about how each number has a, you know, way they go? Yeah, actually. Yeah. And so, um, so Enneagram, uh, when you look at the symbol, there's a nine pointed geometric star. That's what it kind of looks like with a circle around it. And each of the star points. So like if you were to draw out a star, each of those points is one of the um, Enneagram types, the main types. So nine sits at the top and nine is connected to six and three. And then the other types are connected to different numbers and you'd have to kind of look at it to see kind of how this all unfolds. But each type is connected to two different types. Now, Enneagram kind of 101 says um, that each type goes in one direction under stress and one direction in health and growth, which is true. Mm-hmm. When we unpack it, what we're helping people to realize is that you actually go to both of those types healthy and unhealthy. Yeah, yeah. And there's a little bit deeper teaching and why and how that actually occurs, which is why that when you're kind of doing Enneagram 101, we just do the stress and mm-hmm, the growth, mm-hmm. but we want you to realize, so like day for you as a seven, you, what would typically be laid out in a book is you would go to the type one, you go down that line, that mm-hmm, path, we call mm-hmm. this the Enneagram paths, mm-hmm. that you would go down that path under stress and mm-hmm. take on that some of the average to unhealthy qualities of the type one. Like you Mm -hmm. said, you might get critical and short. And again, it's the why, because someone might be um, keeping you from fun or that next best thing. And so it's not the reason for the type one would have, it's the reason the type seven has. Right. But the reason why that's so helpful is now that you know what it's like to go down the path of the the want towards the one, right. you can start to see this happening maybe in your work or your podcast or your family and kind of own it, raise your hand, say, Oh my gosh, I can totally see I'm being a little critical here and short and judgmental. Will you guys forgive me? And and this is what I did. So as a nine, I moved to the average, the unhealthy parts of six. And Jeff always laughs at me. He's like, get out of my space. You're not really good at this, <laughs> but like for actually it's more get out of my neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, you can't <laughs> handle it down here. <laughs> That's But like, so we're um, south of Nashville um, in College Grove. And if we're to leave from here to go to the airport and we're running late, this actually happened to us. And we're running late at eight o'clock in the morning. I'm thinking of all the worst case scenarios, all the school stops, you know, or school zones, stops, traffic, et cetera. And then I start getting irritable and like upset at every single thing. And, you know, the rest of the family might be chill and I'm just all agitated and worried. And then I realized one one day when this is happening, like, hey, guys, I'm so sorry. Like, you're not doing anything wrong. I'm just totally anxious. I'm worried that we're not going to make it on time, which, of course, is like a total normal thing. But that doesn't mean that I have to act out in a way that is you know, unbecoming of me and uncomfortable for everyone else. So I just said, Hey, I am so sorry. I said, honestly, I'm not sure I can stop right now until we get there (laughs) because I am that worked up, but I'm really going to be mindful and try. And actually, I mean, I would probably say it went down from, let's say like a, a level nine to a level three, you know, it was still there. I was still anxious, but just the recognition and apologizing, but also helped Mm -hmm. the family to go, 
oh, mom gets it. Like yeah. she's not throwing this on everyone else. This is something she has to work through. So it just brought clarity to the situation. Yeah. So each, yeah. And it would take too long to kind of show how each number does this. Right. But right. then as a nine, so as a nine, I can go to six, like I said, in stress and get all worked up about what could happen. But I also need to go to three. So three is the other line I'm connected to. And like I said earlier, nines, you know, we go along to get along to try to make everyone happy. The problem is then we see what everyone else wants and bring it into ourselves and flood ourselves out. So we don't really know what we think and feel. We're just trying to um, see what everyone else wants. So as a nine growing means I go to the healthiest side of three and I recognize how God has created me, the gifts I have and actually move and engage in that. So it's actually promoting myself in a healthy way, not in an arrogant way, but promoting myself and having confidence and accomplishing things. So each type has their stress path and the growth path, but don't forget you use both the highs and the lows. Cause for you, Dave, going to the highest part of type one, which is normally your stress path, Mm -hmm. it brings you order It grounds you, it helps you to be principled and it helps you to get things done. So it really is, it's not just uh, one's negative and one's positive. Dave. Hey, Jenny. Man, I can't decide whether to grill chicken breasts or chicken thighs. This is a classic John dilemma. Right. As long as I have known you, this has been a problem for you. And I, but, but I want to say I get it because it's a tough decision. Yeah. You know what? I guess we'll just have to wing it. Oh, I should have <laughs> seen the setup. I should have seen that. I don't know what to grill this weekend. Well, I guess you'll have to win. Oh, you already did that joke. Yeah. ButcherBox is the way to go, okay? It makes getting ready for impromptu summer cookouts so easy, John. Don't overthink it. It's so hard to find high-quality meat, though. Mm. It's frustrating, you know, especially when the selection is always limited and And expensive. expensive. Luckily, and listen, this is going to bless you. That's where today's sponsor, ButcherBox, comes in. ButcherBox kicks down the wall. You know what they tell you? What? They say, hey, we make everything high-quality and it's humanely sourced meat. All you have to do is sign up, select your box, and they ship it right to your door. Not to someone else's door. They ship it to your door <laughs> oh. every month. And now, new members will get free bacon for life Can we when sing they that sign up. Free bacon for life. <laughs> that was great, John. You uh, practiced that, yeah. Dave. Pinch me. I must be dreaming. First of all, I don't want to have any violence on this podcast, so I'm not going to do it. But I want to remind you, it's the real deal. Every month, Double B, as we call it, Butcher Box, ships a curated selection of the best quality meat right to my house. Okay, let me ask you this, though. Yeah. Is it free of antibiotics and hormones? Take a guess. I'm guessing yes. It is. I knew it. Each box has 9 to 11 pounds of meat, which was a funk band I was in in high school, enough for 24 individual meat. That's enough to feed an army. Or my funk band from high school, John, because in Columbia we were considered a small army. (laughs) So you can even customize your own box. Pick one of theirs. It doesn't matter. Either way, you get exactly what you want. Here's what you got to do. Just go to butcherbox.com slash dadville today. Right now, you'll get a pack of free bacon in every box for the life of your subscription. I'm heading to butcherbox.com slash dadville right now. Get your, get your meat on. <laughs> oh, I But it is, and, and you know, uh, I bring that up to say, as you're thinking about it, new people are thinking about it going, well, I kind of feel like I'm a few numbers. You can actually yes. get confused because... You know, as a seven, if I take the, if I'm, you know, if you're taking a test, whatever, if I take it on a day when I'm really like grounded and centered and healthy, I may answer because that for a, for a seven is a five. 
I can go, wow, I may be a five. And if I'm in a really bad headspace, traditionally, I mean, I agree with you. I think these things are very nuanced because there's really great things about one. There's really bad things about five. But as I move toward those two directions, so it's tricky, you know, I can look like a one, you know, and go, oh, that's weird. So I think, um, and and I was going to ask you, uh, as we talk about those, and I'll say quickly too, for those who are listening, I'm just going to say this really quickly, just move, but another thing that's really fun and fascinating as you're finding your number out or learning more about yours is there's also centers. So there's a body center, a head center and a heart center. And so the body center, uh, is eight, nine and one, which means, um, you know, you, you sort of think and feel in in your gut, you know, my wife who's an eight, everything is very gut level. It's how, you know, that's how she sort of interprets the world, Mm -hmm. uh, how she processes and, and how, um, which really fascinates me, how, um, stress can present, you know, yeah. is mm-hmm. in her body, uh, you know, her gut. Uh, so that's eight, nine, and one. Um, head center is seven, six, and five, which is me. Um, you know, thinking oriented issues with anxiety resulting in fear. And then you have the heart center, which is four, three, and two, which would be John, feeling oriented issues with self image resulting in feelings of shame. So, those things can be helpful too. What I was going to ask you guys, which you already spoke to, um, you know, if, if you're <clears throat> listening and, and you guys actually have resources for this, which I think would be good for you to say again at this, at this point is, um, if you're trying to figure out what you are, what's mm-hmm. the, what would y'all tell people as they're listening going, Oh, I want to, I'm kind of curious about this. I think this could help. How, how do you guys sort of advise people to find what they think their number could be? Well, you can start by taking our free assessment at yourenneagramcoach.com. It'll be right there at the top of the page. It's free. It's going to take you about 10 minutes, and you'll get immediate results via email. Um, But the other way, uh, usually to help people along the path, we've created a series of very short videos that explain the core motivations and how how each type functions. And so you can go to anyawhat.com, and that's going to walk you through the process of finding your type. And that's free. And that's, that's free great. as well? Yeah, that's awesome. And what, would you when, say in general, like you can't, whatever the assessment you're taking, it's, that's not the end of it. Like you oh, can't yeah. take no, one assessment. Yeah, and I mean, it, it, your, it's a both and. I mean, for some, it's very clear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for others, as because you're bringing yourself to this assessment. Yeah, well said. The assessment is right. trying to reflect back to you. But if you're already foggy and you're answering in foggy ways, then the results aren't going to be as or clear. Or if you're like, you know, David just mentioned, if you're under stress, like when we've had seasons of really big stress in our life and I took it then, I might, my type six score might pop up a lot higher than what it normally would be. So yeah, that is just mm-hmm. the, and so you want to read the core motivations and really think through that day, that week. Okay. So here's the core motivations of all nine types. So when I get activated, it's usually easier to kind of see it when you're kind of activated negatively, what's going on? Why did I do this? Or why did I think this? And kind of look at those core motivations. And that really is what helps to you to kind of solidify. It's not the behavior. So don't look at the behaviors right. of a type, look at the motivations. So, so, uh, and I'll say this too, if, if you get really stuck, one of my favorite things I heard a teacher tell me once was like, uh, if you really, if you're just like, I just can't find it. I've read them all. I feel like I'm all nine. It, it, like, look at the weaknesses and the one that you hate the most is usually the one you are, <laughs> yeah. which, well, is, which is, yeah, it's like, if you it, really it can't land it. For those who tip, will say stuff like that, like I resonate with all nine types, 
Uh, typically, there are nine. Yeah, typically. Oh, wow. Sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes yeah. it's six. Yeah. But so yeah. even your approach to mm-hmm. assessments and finding your yeah. type yeah. Yeah. oftentimes reveals your type. Yeah, and yeah, sixes usually will say, well, it depends, you know. Yeah, and yeah. That's, that's <laughs> right. a huge indicator for and sixes. Ones and eights are like, yep, I got it. Yeah. 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 And <laughs> it, is, it is really hard. I mean, for those of you who, who are listening who haven't done any of this stuff and you go and take any assessment, I mean, don't be swayed by the fact yes. that like – five questions and you still don't know, you haven't had an easy answer, you know, because yeah. it is tough. Well, Jeff tough. mistyped himself for years. He, um, so as a type <clears throat> six, there's a wide range of, of sixes. They're really the most complex on the Enneagram. And my mom's a six and he's a six. And when he looked at my, and I said, yeah, my mom's a six. He's like, I am nothing like your yeah. mom. And really yeah. they're like, they look nothing alike. Right. Um, my mom is very fear-based, anxious, and operates from that perspective. Jeff looks more like an eight. Like if you read the eight descriptions and that's what's called a counterphobic sex. So, but underneath the core motivations for my mom and Jeff are the same, but how yeah. they, how Look. they deal with it looks very different. So Jeff yeah. is like, so he mistyped himself thinking he was an eight, you know, cause he didn't understand the Enneagram well enough. Um, and then over time, you know, someone who was well-versed in the Enneagrams pointed out, I don't think you're an eight. I think you're a six. Yeah. Um, and, and just so everybody knows, like I, was so upset. I put the enneagram down for an entire year because I did not because you didn't want to be a six. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's kind of that's kind of what the joke this guy <laughs> told me was is there is this. I mean, you know, my my wife will tell you like she hates being an eight on bad days. Like she's like yes. I don't know anyone that is more frustrated of her number than she is sometimes. You know, because it's like when you really know yourself and you know your, your weaknesses, you know, those dark things, you're like, Oh my God, I'm the worst, you know? And then, you know, and two fun fact, I mean, you know, I think they, they also say that the two hardest numbers in society and especially sort of Western culture are the male too, because it's anti-stereotype. It's a helping, very helpful Uh guy. And then the female eight, which is the very sort of, well, actually we just did podcast series on misunderstand Dean types. Yeah. So we did hmm. sixes and it was female and male because sixes, like I said, there's a wide yeah, spectrum. Yeah. So we did the, um, that, um, and then we did female type eights. Um, and man, we got so many comments from eight yeah. women who were so thankful. They were like, I'm crying listening to this. Yeah. Um, we've done, uh, male type twos mm-hmm. and we're getting ready to do, um, female, fives. female fives and male fours. Yeah. Well, I've never thought Johnny. about this before, but I mean, are there any, are there numbers that are mostly one gender dominant yeah, or is it know, just we, tougher for, yeah, you know, it, female it would all to, be anecdotal. Yeah. There is no research yeah. that says uh, otherwise. I'm sure we could. I mean, we've had, mm-hmm. we, we just need researchers to help us. Yeah. Um, so if you're a researcher, listen to the podcast yeah, because that's true. clearly researchers would be attracted to this. Kind that's of our thing. main demographic. <laughs> yeah, that's right. main demographic. <laughs> researchers. Engineers. We have a ton um, of engineers. So, and but, you know, we've had over 2 million people take our assessment. Jeez. And, wow. um, and so it, it would be very fairly, well, we don't keep track of gender, but I, I you know, I think it there is a way of, yeah. Yeah. to see. Uh, well, but th- the problem with that too is majority of our audience is female. Anyway, all right. that to be said is the Enneagram is neutral when it yeah. comes to yeah. gender. It's the society that puts That's different exactly stigmas right. on Very it. Well so said. like in America, uh, let's say a male four could feel out of place because, you know, we're more of like kind of growing up from the fifties, that John Wayne, you know, atmosphere. Right. 
Whereas in Paris, France, a male type four is very well received, you know, so it's, well it's really well a said. society type mentality. That's John, why it's John's French moving in high school. <laughs> John's moving yeah. to Paris <laughs> next <laughs> week. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, I mean, so, I, I, I thought that I was a nine for so long because yeah. Dave, I think Dave, you were the one that introduced me to Enneagram years ago. And I just think I, I come off as a nine in general. Mm-hmm. And, and then I was reading uh, Road Back to You and th- thinking all the while, like, I'm a nine, but I'm, so I'm going to start with the nine section. I read the nine section and then I started, went back to the beginning of the book and I'm reading the whole thing. And when I get to the four, oh my gosh. I mean, mm-hmm. Dave, sure. like you were saying earlier, like when you read something like that, that is so, I, I've never had a moment like that in my life where I'm like, yeah. I'm reading this, this book that knows me yeah. better than any other human being has known it's it in was, your brain butter it's it deep was in crazy. your brain butter yeah, yeah. well and yeah. especially john you know type fours you know feel so misunderstood and to have a book mm-hmm. that literally doesn't know you per se but yet knows you is right. i'm sure a very wild experience very comforting right. i'm sure on some level too yeah um okay so we have you know a, a lot of parents that listen to this podcast and uh, and namely dads, as you guys think, I would love to hear y'all's thoughts on this. As you think about how the Enneagram can help, uh, not only we've talked a lot about just in general, but I think especially in parenting uh, and maybe especially, especially as dads, um, what, what are sort of your thoughts around that and how it can be helpful as a parent and namely a dad? Yeah, the Enneagram is incredibly helpful for parents. Now, the initial inclination is to think this is going to help me to know my child's personality type right. and to help them fix them, which and is dangerous, right? That, well, when they're young. I mean, yes, I, yes and no. Um, and, and I'll explain a little bit, but there's kind of three ideas of why the Enneagram is going to be so helpful. Number one is this, uh, who am I? How do I work? Mm. So it, I remember, um, oh man, I'm forgetting his name. He wrote the book, uh, The Soul of Shame. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thompson. Yeah. And he says, the greatest gift that a parent can give to their child is a coherent story, to understand their story as a parent. That's so good. Meaning, oftentimes, and this is Mm. true in marriage, we are reenacting something in our marriage that is getting in the way of us becoming a better married couple. Wow. And the same is true of parenting, where we are in some ways reacting out of something of our own childhood and the metaphors and the ideas that shape what we wanted as children. Mm-hmm. And so if I don't understand that, I'm actually going to place that over my own parenting mm-hmm. and over my own child, because wow. my kid's experience is not my experience. Wow. Number two is understanding them. Your kids are different than you. I remember uh, we were in a passing conversation with our team, and one of our uh, type eight staff... Well, nine first. <clears throat> was it the nine? Oh, the, 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 the nine... Why don't you go ahead and say... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the... The type nine in our group was talking about how her, her and her husband pray over their kids mm. and they're both nines. Okay. Oh, wow. And so they're praying for empathy and compassion and kindness. And our type eight chimes in without even being asked, like, really? Wow. I pray that my son is a warrior and that his <laughs> no be no. <laughs> so, uh, which was it, very insightful as it relates to like, 
your kid is not you. So yeah. who am I and who are they? They we are different. We re, right. we perceive, we interpret, we engage with the world in different ways. Mm. And it would be wrong and and I've told my kids this like I have parented you as a 6. There is now a 6 part of you in your head and that's me, but that's not you. And learning to mm-hmm. differentiate the two of those things actually helps them, particularly in their 20-somethings, where they need to individuate, they need to separate from mom and dad yeah. and yeah. for their own identity. Uh, and then, But the, that also doesn't, just real quick, that doesn't mean, because I think a lot of parents are like, oh, well, then I need to learn their number and parent them from their perspective, not mine. Like, no, God gave you your right. children. You know, I, I'm a nine, Jeff's a six. He gave Nate and Libby to a nine and a six parent right, couple right. type On purpose. for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Well, and, and, and to realize, and this is where um, the Enneagram is helpful so far as it helps you to ask different questions with your kids to get to know them. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. it's not helpful is because of development of their own psychology and their own sense of identity, it's going to be really hard for you to figure out their type. Yeah. Uh, if not impossible, because that may change your family. I mean, like if you think of families on an inner tube, everybody has a place. And if anybody moves, everybody moves. And yeah. so your child has a role in your family. And so sometimes that role is given by your by the married parents um, or the amount or size of the family and other children. And so recognize that there are so many layers, it would be difficult for a child to be self-referential and to have the vocabulary to say who, who are they, particularly in an Enneagram conversation. Right. And then um, the next one is, uh, who are we? So who am I? Who are you? And who are we? Wow. There is a particular dynamic that happens with children. Now, I, 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 we don't promote favoritism with children, but <laughs> it's very common in family families. Like there are some kids that you can get along with easier than others. Yeah, yeah. And that is can be answered by Enneagram type. Mm-hmm. And so to understand that just because I have this great relationship that feels easy, we understand each other with one child, doesn't mean that I should have it with the other with the, another child. Yeah. Um, and the Enneagram helps to explain the differences between the two and to give you language so that you can actually talk with one another about right, those dynamics. Right, right. Yeah, that's great. And, and then I guess sort of... Uh, in conclusion with this, because this is kind of a hotly contested thing in this Enneagram space, because I've heard two different thoughts about it um, that, that contradict each other. What are y'all, because I think one of the things that's really tricky is when you start learning it, and, and let me let me say this first, sorry, Jeff, I think what you've just said, if there's a theme that I think we have found on this podcast that is unbelievably consistent is with experts who have come on, you know, if that's psychologists, um, therapists, authors who have written books about these things and actually have a lot of knowledge, it is one of the most important things that they feel is to know your story. It's unbelievable yes. how consistent that theme is, that, that as we have people on, they say one of the best things you can do for your kid is to first know your own story and how that's going to impact them. So it's, I always love simpatico. So it's fun to hear you echo well, that. And also. to realize how much of that you are projecting on your kids, you know? Yeah. 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 That's, that's great. So one, I love that. I love when we have those moments where it's the, where that's true. But, um, 
I think the other thing I was going to ask, and, and again, is sort of um, bringing this whole thing together. I think one of the things that's tricky is as you learn and you sort of go, oh, okay, I know my number and I kind of know my story and my wife or you know my spouse, whoever, we kind of know their story. And now the kids and you yes. just sort of the eye of Sauron rests on your children and you're just like, oh, he laughed that way. Probably a seven. Oh, he really likes details. Probably one. And, you know, they're like five. You know, right. so, exactly. you know, do, do you, what are y'all sort of, cause it's the easiest, gosh, as a parent it is the lowest, most dangerous hanging fruit, Yes, you know, to do that. Do, what are y'all's thoughts around that sort of typing your kids or trying to figure them out? And how do you and, think yeah. about And when that? did you guys do it? Yeah. What was your so, personal? Like we said, we started learning about the Enneagram in 2001. That means our daughter was one years old and our son was three. So we literally have been using the Enneagram since they were infants. Um, mm-hmm. and of course, just like everyone else, like what's the manual on this yes, child? Right. Yes. Like someone well just give said. me the instruction well manual. Said. Really well um, said. then I can figure it out and I can make sure they're going to be healthy adults. Um, but I also knew it had to do with the core motivations and how do you know someone else's core motivations? You don't like, they have to tell you. So I would say be a great student of your kids and you could easily probably take a couple numbers off the plate. You might recognize, I don't see characteristics of, like for instance, our son, I didn't see much eight, I didn't see um, five, and I didn't see as much like three, you know, or four. So there's a couple numbers I was like, safely I could kind of take those off. But then I just held the rest of them loosely. And I remember Mm. when he was nine years old. So here, you know, I was into it several years at that point. And he was helping someone. And I felt like one, two, and six were his top possible numbers. So I was like, okay, Nate, so did you help that kid because it was the right thing to do, the helpful thing to do, or the loyal thing to do? And he looked at me like, yeah, <laughs> like all of them. And I'm like, dang it, <laughs> tell me what you are. Um, but here's the thing is as kids, even though we do believe that they're born a type, so they're born with the lens that they are going to see, interpret, and react to the world through, they are absorbing so much from everyone else, their parents, their teachers, their friends. So that doesn't mean that they're not that type, but they're trying on so much other things yeah, well said. that you can't fully assess why they're doing it because they can't explain it yet. So mm. just being a good um, student of your kid is important. So Nate was uh, about 14 and our kids are both like old souls. <laughs> so that was, pr- that's probably around the somewhat the earliest that your kid's going to fully start to understand why they do what they do. And so we had him take one of the tests and just to see what he'd come up as. And at that time I was landing a little bit more in six and he, the test showed that. And I said, well, what, read that and read the one and read the two. And he was like, Oh, totally. I'm a six. And he gave all the reasons. Um, And then our daughter, though, and what was interesting is I thought she was probably a nine with an eight wing like me versus a possible two. And when she was at that age, um, you know, she took the test and she came out as a two. And I'm like, really? You know, kind of like, and here I've been in it for at least 12 years or a decade. And Mm -hmm. um, and she's like, oh, I'm totally a two. And I'm like, really? And it, but here's the thing as a two, she's the compliant type, the dutiful type that she was trying to do a lot of mom looking stuff, a lot of nine like stuff because she wanted to be kind of like the teacher's pet, the parent pet. That's what twos do. Like if I can serve and help and be what you want, 
then you'll love me, right? Mm. I can help. Mm -hmm. And so she was doing a lot of nine-like stuff. But then it was interesting, as she became more of a teenager, that two-like stuff came out more and more. And I was like, oh, my goodness. So parents, a lot of times what happens is kids will act kind of one way, and then they get in those teenagers. And like Jeff said, they start to dif differentiate themselves, and they start acting different. And parents start freaking out, like, you're not who you used to be. And it's like, well, I think their personality is just coming to the forefront. And it's kind of like a toddler trying to learn to walk. You know, it's not always pretty, but they're really trying to be who they are. And that's where we need to not panic. We need to have a non-anxious presence and be very open and receptive and asking curious questions. Okay, so why did that land on you that way? Or what, what are you feeling? Or why do you think you did that? And to be more receptive, not in the sense that we can't uh, uh, train them and discipline them and do all those great things. But are we curious about their story? Yeah. And so it's yeah. mainly in the teenagers into the twenties that would be more, uh, beneficial for them to land on their type than anywhere earlier. Now that doesn't mean you can't explain the Enneagram and help them to know that there are nine types and kind of giving them a frame of reference. And the more Jeff and I would talk about our emotional wor internal world. And like I said earlier, like, Hey guys, I'm acting this way. I'm sorry. I totally reckon the more we did that, the more kids were able to do that. Cause we were, uh, showing them, we were being an example for them. And mm -hmm. just to turn this from a different perspective, Think of how hard it is when your spouse comes to you and says, why did you do that? I don't know why I did it. I just did it. That's just what I do. So let's give our kids a break that maybe they don't understand themselves either. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and true. also when, when your mom or your dad comes and says, why did you do that? That's yeah. a loaded situation right there. To yeah, begin right. Sure yeah. That's a dangerous right. zone. Well, why are you asking me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Here's the thing. The Enneagram and parenting literally brings us to our knees. Really, yeah. it is all about depending yeah. on him to give us insights, to help us to grow, and then to impart that to yeah. our kids the best we can. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and, and you know, just to reinforce that warning, I think and you guys just said this so well, and it really means a lot to me to hear you say this because I think it's such a beautiful idea, is the staying curious because I think the danger that I can feel uh, even at the kids being nine, seven, and four, is once I figure them out, I've got the manual. And now mm -hmm. I know what to mm -hmm. do. And now I can sort of parent. And it makes my life easier, one, mm -hmm. just to be right. honest. I don't have to, right. I don't I don't have to stay curious. It's exactly y'all's point. Yeah. And I think the danger, and I've kind of seen this a couple times where somebody will mistype a kid and for yes. a few years be like, well, he's my little two. And yes. that's why, and then all of a sudden they pop up and they're like, Oh my goodness, I was wrong. And I sort of treated my child yes. this way that, that didn't really help this scenario a lot. And so I do think you have to have, you know, some fear and trepidation as you sort of approach that space because you just don't want to get, I you know, I will say it's parents that do that, that typically they're actually really wrong. They're yeah. so, I mean, like Jeff, Jeff would have looked like an eight as a child, um, but he wasn't. And so if yeah. you would have treated him right, as right, an eight, right. that could have been actually more damaging. So right. you really want to just be very curious as yeah. parents. Let me, uh, let me, let me, uh, uh, land this thing by giving a plug one more time. I think, I think if you're listening and you're going, man, this sounds really cool. Um, and, um, I'm definitely curious. I'll tell you for me, the two, the two ways that it's probably helped me the most, um, amongst many things. And one of the reasons I think you should check out all things McCord and what you guys are doing with, uh, it's so great. You guys have, have so much information and, and help online. 
So mm-hmm. all the websites you guys have mentioned, I would encourage everybody to listen to. But I think the thing that I've found has been so helpful is one, uh, in relationships, and I would say namely my marriage. I think, you know, as you guys have uh, referenced and I mean, what's, you know, so fun is that you actually have, uh, you know, a book with becoming us that addresses this exactly, but it was incredible. The, the, the reason that I took the nosedive into it was, you know, Annie and I being a seven and eight, we're just having some pretty foundational differences that we, I, we couldn't, there were so many fights we got in that we were both like, what happened? How, how are we this mad? You know, like I said, one thing and the next thing, you know, we're at this place and, you know, this buddy said, you should check out this thing. And so I started reading about me. I started reading about Annie and I was like, oh my gosh, it literally would say, you're going to get into fights because of these things. And I was like, I said that last night. I said that exact same phrase, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so it was this, and so I think if you're listening one, I would say it's just a really, and just re- with relationships with parents, mm-hmm. with siblings, with friends, you know, a, a little more of an understanding of like, why is there th- this disconnect with me and this guy friend? Why is there with my sister? Mm-hmm. Why is this hard? Or why is it so easy with these people? Like, why do I find? So I think that's something that if you're listening is really helpful. And I would say too, you guys spoke so succinctly and well too as parents. It's just kind mm-hmm. of this idea of like, we're just going to do a better job caring for our kids when we know why we do things, you know, and mm-hmm. we, we I told <laughs> I told some friends this story the other day. Um, we took a vacation. I'm not going to say where because it's going to throw this place under the bus. But we took a vacation to this place <laughs> that will not be named. And we were there about a day. And I was just starting to get a little jittery. And so we went to bed that night. We woke up the next day. We spent about half a half a day out wandering in this in this place. And... I got home and it's the closest I've ever had to an anxiety attack. Like I was Mm -hmm. absolutely frantic. Like Mm -hmm. it was like, Mm -hmm. and so I sat down with Annie and I said, listen, I think I may need to rent a car and go home. And she was like, oh, you're not joking. And I said, no, 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 no. I'm about to go crazy. And and she said, well, can you tell me why? And And I said this out loud. I said, I feel trapped and I can't get out of here. And she was, and it was all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh. That's my thing when I'm trapped <laughs> yes. in emotional pain yeah. and I didn't have any escape. None of my little tricks worked. I couldn't do anything to sort of like, and so she was so great. <laughs> she said, listen, we'll go get a good meal, like a healthy meal. Cause this place we were, that was hard to, that was hard to find. And then she said, and then we're doing this thing tomorrow. That'll be really fun. And she was right. And she was like, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, my little seven brain was like, oh, that's a fun thing. Yes. Okay. I can sort of anchor in there a little bit. It gives me a little more stability, but it was so funny because I felt bad for my kids because they were getting this bad version of me that was very Mm. frantic and short and very self-centric. And the minute I was able to slow myself down and go, oh, I know what I'm doing. I'm doing my thing. I'm doing my seven thing where I'm getting really bitey and aggressive because I feel trapped. And that's one of my fears is to be where I can't get out. And so I think, you know, as a parent, it can be really powerful too, because exactly to Jeff's point, you know, you can start going, why do I always do this in this scenario? Isn't that Mm -hmm. funny that when I, when I'm presenting my kids want me to do this with them, I always get snippy or I love doing these things with them. Why is that? You know? And so I think it can be a really powerful tool to not only helping your marriage and your friendships. Well, Dave, uh, just think about that for a moment. Don't we all long for parents who are not just great parents, but whenever they get spun out, Mm. can actually explain what's happened. Yeah, that's a great one. And get realigned. So 
not only was it just your own understanding, but to be able to pivot and to explain and interpret for them what's happened yeah. is a tremendous gift. I mean, yeah. just returning like, hey, guys, I'm so sorry. I was getting really anxious and your mom was really helpful. And think about that as a memory for your kids. Like, oh, I'm going to look for a spouse who's going to help me to organize my interior world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how mom and dad always did it. Well, that's great. So we have done that a lot in front of the kids and to the point where so the core longing for the type nine is to hear your presence matters. So the mm-hmm. nine things that are present doesn't matter that we're not important no one's going to listen to us so we just go along to get along well we've talked about similar things in front of the kids you know when i get activated or sad or pull away withdrawal and so when they were i think like let's say 18 19 or whatever um in the summer you know i would go upstairs and work and they would be downstairs and watching tv youtube who knows what they're doing you know this summer and so i would come downstairs and i'd see all the dirty dishes i'm like hey guys can you just, you know, clean the kitchen and do all that. I'm going to go upstairs and work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I go upstairs five hours later, come, you know, downstairs <laughs> and it's like still the same when they're still in front of the TV. Now, each of the types could see it from a different or react from, from it from a different perspective. Now, all of right. us as parents can go, oh yeah, that would drive me crazy. But why? It drove mm-hmm. me crazy because as a nine, I felt overlooked. I f- didn't feel heard. And I felt like my presence didn't matter. And so hmm. I was definitely frustrated and upset. And, and I'm not even thinking necessarily why at the moment. And our, my kids came in. They're like, Mom, you're totally right. We're so sorry. You know, that's our bad. And then they were able to say, I know that what we did makes you feel like your presence doesn't matter. But that's wow. actually not hmm. how we think. You you were very valuable to us and we, we messed up. And so by doing that as parents with one another, Jeff and I doing it with one another and also communicating the, our stuff to our kids, not obviously, you know, within, you know, a healthy framework, you don't want to reveal everything. Our kids were able to then reflect back to me, mom, I know why this would hurt you specifically. Mm. And that wasn't our heart's intent. Now they could have been that's their intent, you know, but I'm just saying in this one moment, they were able to nuance that. And that's really the goal that we want with each of us is to be able to come alongside and say, I'm so sorry. I can see why this would have affected you. I didn't mean to, you know, yeah. um, but you're right. That that's totally what happened. And it just validates what's going on yeah, within each awesome. of us. That's a yeah. great application for the Enneagram, you know, like the, the, other extreme of that that is my fear is like people trying to figure out like when I'm in when I'm spinning out like Dave you were saying on the vacation when I'm in that moment for people to kind of like write it off because they're like well I understand what's happening here based on the Enneagram I get this and that's your problem but like the way that your kids used it saying like we know that this is how this scenario made you feel knowing your type and and saying that's not true we your presence is valid all that kind of stuff that's so great that is yeah. amazing that's really great yeah. so we always ask first of all thank you all for doing this this is like yes a, this is so fast this is a very valuable tutorial um we always ask two questions at the end that we'd love each of y'all to answer um i'll ask you the first one um what is the one thing you want your kids to know we both look at each other. What do you I know, that was beautiful. That was such a sweet little marital moment. I mean, for me, it really does come back to our mission statement. I want them to know the unconditional love, forgiveness, and freedom in Christ so mm. much that when they mess up 
and they experience shame and guilt and self-condemnation or others' condemnation, that they always know they can go back to their good shepherd, that mm. it's been done, the, the work is finished, and he is always holding and embracing them from a place of compassion and care and tenderness. Um, and willing to help them to grow. Like, it doesn't mean, oh, it's okay, keep going. It's, yeah, we have a long ways to go here on earth. And that will come when we are with him again, the culmination of all things. But on this side of heaven, that they are safe and secure in his finished work and love. That That's my ultimate. Yeah, that's for them. beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just thinking of our conversation that we were having with our daughter yesterday over lunch. And it really <clears> was about the gospel and compassion. That, hey, you're you're going to be making some decisions as a young adult, and you're going to blow it. But I, I want you to know that you can always come home. You're always safe. Mm. And and that is true. We are able to extend that kind of grace and safety because we have experienced that kind of grace and safety in our spiritual lives. And mm. so we, um, we, we regularly, even now... Um, just as an act of self-care, regularly go to counseling mm. uh, to get disrupted. Why? Because there's new <laughs> areas of our heart where we get to experience the grace of God. Yeah, I love that. Oh. I love that you said to get disrupted. That's that's so true and helpful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> these, these Enneagram grooves we get in, it's like, this is what I do. And they're like, you don't yes. have to. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so what is what do you want your kids to say at your funeral? God forbid both of you pass away at the same time, saving children. Actually, that would actually be better. Yeah, yeah. We don't want to live true. without one another. That's we true. became adults together, so yeah. we, we don't have a choice. Um, <laughs> We're just going to die at the same time. Yeah, I think I would just ultimately want them to say, you know, when I think of mom, I think of her in all of the highs and lows resting securely in Christ. You know, mm. just that she she knew not only who she was, but whose she was. Mm. That's what I'd want them to say. Yeah. Would you? Um, yeah. The one thing that uh, I, I remember early on with an exercise like this, I, I wanted to end my life well, having loved well. Hmm. That, that my kids would simply, it, you know, I, I've, I've recently purged my library, but I, I was upwards of 3,000 books in my library. And and then I've got four or five different certifications plus an MDiv. And so there's a lot of knowledge. There's a lot of insight that I have that is available to my kids. But mm. without love, it's like a clinging symbol. Mm. And mm. so despite me being their father, um, if they were, if they were loved well by me, mm-hmm. um, my heart can be at rest. I love that. And, and, um, and uh, to be honest, I'll add one other thing that even means when I make mistakes, hmm. like yeah. my kids know if I have screwed up that they're going to get an apology. Wow. I love yeah. that. Yeah. I love that. So would you tell the people one more time where they can find all of the information they need from y'all? Yeah, the best place to go is to what E-N-N-E-A-W-H-A-T dot com. Uh, that's going to give you links to our assessment. It's also going to give you some short tutorials on how to find your type and a summary of all the types. But if you want to find out anything about your Enneagram coach, just look us up on any social platform and we're out there. Great. That's, that's awesome. Great. Thank you, guys. Yeah.